Erev Tov from Katamon Shiba Yerushalayim, Katamon in Jerusalem. And we're uh, meeting here to, to enter into the uh, fifth session of our, of a 10 part, um, both overview and in-depth presentation and, and exploration of Torah Harav Avram Yitzchak Cohen Cook Zecher Tzadik Livracha. And I could go on forever in all the superlatives that people in his time and since and uh, in how people spoke of him. And you know, someday we can share some of that, but we're, we're fortunate that we can just enter directly into his material and, and let us form our own uh, sense of, 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 of his uh, significance and historic significant, historical significance. So in order to, before we do that, um, let's go around. Most of you, I guess we, so I'm Yitzchak and I'm the Gabbai at Beit Araf Kuk when, as soon as people return to start, you know, but, and various other things. So it's nice to do it, do this online, though it's also nice to do it at Rav Kuk's house. Um, you know, the setting is something to be said for setting. And, um, but Baruch Hashem that this, this tool exists for us to be able to do this given, you know, place and time right now. So if we could just say hello and, and our name and where we are, and then we'll enter into the, into the actual uh, text. Hi, I'm, I'm Lauren in Toronto. I actually used to live on Derech Beit Lechem near Rivka. So I actually lived in Talpiot. Before that, years in Zichron Yaakov, which I really miss. But anyways, I was almost a neighbor of yours. Oh, all right. <laughs> and please, we're doing that quick circle. I'm, da I'm David Jaffe. I'm in uh, Old Kid Sharon, Massachusetts. And uh, I lived at the corner of Yehuda and, uh, and uh, Beit Lechem for a while. So I was right near you, Lauren. <laughs> and I can't wait to be with you, Rabbi Yitzhak, in uh, Eifet Arav. Yeah, the, the coffee and cookies. Uh, I'll be there. Especially the cookies. <laughs> please, who else? Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, please. Hello? Hi. No, not Rabbi. You, I, I'm Yehuda in Phoenix, sunny Phoenix. So, hi. <laughs> Good for you. You can see the light. And the holiest, Rabbi Shmuley. Shalom Alecha, Kvodo. Oh, my goodness. So every time I come to Yushalayim, not every time, when I come to Yushalayim, I try to make Beit Rav my first stop, actually. But, you know, the first, right when I arrive. So, so Shkoyach to you, and uh, yeah, looking forward to learning. Yes. And who, who, who hasn't said hello yet? Anyone who's listening who hasn't? If not, we can, we can enter the text. And... Um, I'll, I'll introduce, we're, going, we're doing three sections, and I'll introduce it as we go and set it in our framework. But I like to um, give Rav Cook the first expression, 
And, um, and also in order to, uh, I, I wanna share with you a poem, and this is just pieces of a poem, the name of the poem, and I only have English excerpts from it here. So um, we'll, we'll end up doing it faster. Uh, but um, the poem is like this. This is what Rav Cook said. It's Ma'amar Moshe El Paro. It's what Moses told Pharaoh, Lahatsia Lefanav, to, to suggest before him. I have a Hatsa'ah for you. I have a suggestion for you. Uh, Israel, that he should send out Israel. And begins a, uh, an extraordinary uh, poem that's about 20, 40, I don't know, around 60 lines. And this is, this is maybe 20% of it, but to give you a sense, and it's only the English, but this is Moses has come up and with Aaron and you, can, you know the picture, we saw the movie and so on. We, he's there with his staff and with Aaron, and that's all. Don't you know, powerful king, for what is created a human being, not to resemble the animal of the forest and not to hunt for prey and not for empty vain entertainment, only to establish the world through justice, to raise up generosity, to act in truth and righteousness, to wisen our beings with the knowledge of God, but to the deep sadness of the heart who loves justice, we don't see this among the multitudes, human beings walking in darkness. Look at, if you will, Pharaoh, throughout your kingdom, Look at the activities of your nation. And of course, this can be applied to any kingdom and nation. Is it not just oppression, perversion, evil, stupidity, addiction to bad, to the most disgusting, to every disgracefully, disgraceful, humanly degrading act? And you, Pharaoh, Prime Minister, President, you're the master of this nation. Can you look at the great, I guess, divine inheritance dissolving away as we have this being of, of the person that we're all chasing only the body? The nation oppression of the poor fills the nation. The violent perversion of justice in every corridor and corner. This could have been useful in uh, the, the, the television broadcasts in the corridors and, and corridors and corners of the, of the Senate. Oppression of the poor in the nation, the violent perversion of justice in every corridor and corner, empty thoughts and delusions, falsehood and words of deceit. Every holy idea has distanced itself. 
anything beautiful with holiness, they, the, the pharaohs and, and the, the world, they cannot even see. And that's an excerpt from a poem Rav Cook wrote about what Moses told Pharaoh when he was stepping up to him with the suggestion that, you know, we want to go. We don't want to be part of this anymore. Of course, we know Pharaoh had his own reaction and, you know, it was a process and we got out. But, and, and this is a wonderful poem. One time, if you're interested, we can go through it in the Hebrew, all of it. It's, it's you know, Rob Cook's prophecy, prophetic. I mean, it, it, it's an extraordinary poem. So, um, but thank you for letting me share that. And please understand that, that you're probably the, we're, we're the one of the, how many, you know how many people have read these poems? I mean, I know in Ruff Cook's world, some, they're, they're all in the, uh, in the collection of the, the Ruff Cook uh, publications, but they're hardly, some of them are well-known, some of them are lyrics, a little bit, just a little bit, but most of it has not been read. And my understanding is Ruff Cook wrote poetry when he was in Atsilut. He wrote Machshava when he was in Bria, Musar in Yetzirah and Halacha and Asiya. But when he was really in the experience, which was a lot, it came out in Shira. And there are extraordinary Shirot. There's like, there's, if, I, if people are interested, I would like nothing more than, I would love to do a, a, a Chabura of Rav Kook Shira. If, you, uh, if enough people are interested. Um, it, it, it would be like, I, it, they're amazing. I mean, I love Dylan. I grew up, Dylan was my like, you know, uh, in a certain way, he spoke to spoke for my soul. And in that way, it was like a, a Rebbe. And I had the picture of him up at the Kotel with the tefillin, you know, up in my house for many years. Um, uh, Ruff Cook's poetry is, is, more, is more complex than Dylan's. And it's in rhythm and rhyme. Some is also free, free, free verse, but so on. Okay, now I want to, with your permission, uh, a little bit of history, a story in Rav Cook's life. You know, I can stop the share and we can sort of pretend we're in the same room or something, but. Um, Ruff Cook's life had three, four, five stopping stations. 1865, born, till 1904 at the age of 39, growing up in Europe, the Chafetz Chaim at the age of 23 and sat him down and said, you're the next leader of Israel, go do it. Um, and then he went to be a rabbi and when he was 39 years old because his father-in-law was already the Adarit here in Israel being prepared to be the next chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. And so then they arranged that when the chief rabbi of Yafo passed away, they invited Rav Cook to come to be the rabbi. And um, he came on the 28th of ER, 1904. And from that moment on put his ex entire being into bringing forth the history of Israel. 
And it's not by coincidence that the newest holy day in our calendar is the Yom Yerushalayim, which he was the high priest of the return. And Yom Yerushalayim is on the 28th day of ER, 1967, which happens to be the anniversary of the 28th day of ER in 1904, that Rav Cook first stepped foot in Israel. And his family mentioned it in letters. Oh, this is the day we came back in, in Tarsad. And now it's Yom Yerushalayim. And then he was in Yafo. But August 1914, he went, the, he left Israel to address the rabbis of Europe. But because uh, Amalek didn't want, he would make a reconciliation in which we would have sent most told the rabbis to start sending large numbers of their Hasidim and, and Talmidim to Israel. And he may have started enough that if there would have been 50 or 60,000 people that would have come be, until 1925, the British would have given us control in the 1920s and then Hitler would have sent all the Germans here and the Holocaust would not have happened. Okay, so that's what um, Ruff Cook was working, working towards. And um, so the situation is this, but the, the meeting never happens because on Tisha B'Av 1914, World War I breaks out. And that's why Arya Levine said it broke out so Rav Cook wouldn't make the reconciliation with, with the rabbis you know, of the world. They wouldn't have the opportunity to explain to them what's going on here. And they had all these weird ideas and, 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 and making you know, huge theological mistakes or mistaken evaluations. Um, so he comes, the war breaks out, the meeting never happens. He spends a year and a half in Switzerland, he meets the Nazir, and then he's invited to be a rabbi in London. He shows up in London at, uh, what's the name of the synagogue, Golden Gate, I forget at this moment, Mahzike Adat. And he came, uh, so at the end of 1916, and he becomes part of the activity there, and, and many, many people, you know, come to see his shul, and, and it becomes very special. And, um, and then in 1917, the Balfour Committee started to meet there in London. This was Balfour deciding what they would do once they, 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 they were still in battle with the Turks. They didn't have control of the Middle East. They were still in battle with the Turks, but they met to decide, well, once it happens, what is the policy of the British government about what the, the, the land, what the future of this land is to be? Very honorable. And, um, and they started to meet in January, February, 1917. And, uh, and they get uh, presentations, you know, from, from the Zionists. And they're sympathetic to the presentations of the Zionists because many of them are, are biblical Christian, you know, you know, Israel lovers of the theoretical Israel, the biblical Israel. And, um, 
And so they were supportive of that. In May 1917, the uh, Balfour Committee gets a strong presentation from the rich British upper class Jews. Some of them are parliamentarians. One of them is one of the Rothschilds. One of them is, and there's a famous names of the rich British that says, do not take the Zionists seriously. We're British citizens of mosaic descent and that's no longer relevant and we shouldn't be doing political policy based on, on the Bible. And there's speculation as to why, and some said they thought they might lose their position, they'd be unsure. There was, there's been different, you know, essays. And I don't know if anybody's done PhD level on it, but, you know, masters, and it's in the history books. It's a fascinating episode. But when these people get this presentation from their social class, their Jewish social class, if that's what they think, who am I going to listen to? Uh, Weitzman with all, you know, we love Weitzman. I mean, you know, he created gunpowder, or not gunpowder, he created, he did something. Gunpowder was the Nobel, but he gave us something that helped the British war effort. So they were very helpful, very open to Chaim Weitzman who did the presentations, but he wasn't, he's still a foreigner. You know, if he, was he originally from Europe? But he, he's not one of us. And, um, and the others weren't either. And so the idea dropped. May 1917, the Balfour Committee lost their enthusiasm for making a decision which will give the Middle East, some part of the Middle East, to the returning Jewish people. Ruff Cook sits down and he writes a proclamation that is read in every single synagogue Pa'ashat Pa'alotecha in uh, the June of 1917, after the Torah service. And it's a two-page document. He wrote it in Yiddish. So we have, you know, a Hebrew translation. I work off the, the Hebrew translation of it. But um, he's, he's, he got up, he was delivered this letter from Rav Cook was delivered to every single synagogue in England. Most of them were in London. And this was read from the pulpit from every single synagogue. And that night, many of the congregants sat down and wrote letters to the Balfour Committee quoting Rav Cook's letter. And I want to share with you uh, a few the beginning of it. So this is the, and he called it Gilui Dat Aldvar Abgida Alumit, a matter of opinion on this matter of national betrayal. Harshat Bahalotecha, June 7, 1917. To skip, I'll start in the Hebrew, but I'll skip to the English. Mochim Anu Galui Neged Kol Koe Haneshamaha Yehudit. We protest in, we publicly against all who would divide the Jewish soul, against all who want to fragment the wonderful wholeness of Jews and Judaism. We only recognize a complete Judaism, 
we only recognize the perfection of you are one and your name is one and who is like your nation, one nation in the land. This is indivisible and won't be divided ever. With the holy power of the Shlemut Ayahadut, the wholeness of Judaism, Shlemut Ayahadut, we protest against all the traitors. We demand our complete claim from all our brotherly friends, the, the Jews of England, and from all cultured humanity. Kol ha'enoshiyut atabitit. Et gzelatenu anachnu tovim beshlemut. That which was robbed from us, gzelas, stolen from us, must, we demand that which was stolen from us be returned to us beshlemut, completely. This was probably the strongest statement ever in Jewish history to the nations of the world on behalf of Israel since the time of exile. June 1917 in every synagogue in, in England. Et gzelatenu anachnu tovim beshlemut. We demand that which was stolen from us returned completely. This wrongdoing, this avla, it's, it's speak, it cries to the heaven. It must be completely fixed. Our holy precious land, splendors and wonders must be returned to us. Without compromise, false fatter. We want the land, we, the, we demand from the world they give back what was stolen from us and give it completely, completely back. That's Yehuda Veshomron, are the students of, of, of the Rav Kook. He, he, he started the Yehuda Shomron movement already in 1920. That's a, that's a whole other story. And he says, it's now that in this wondrous time, World War I, 1917, we see the divine hand appearing in such a wondrous way. And now we see people with such foolishness and hearts that are so covered, they would have the audacity to proclaim matters in such a way that they'll reduce and try to weaken the, the core of Jewish wholeness. We are obligated to, and we must clarify to all warring humankind, its obligation towards us. We have given much to humankind. We instilled the power of life into the human ethic. Our wondrous divine history was always the basis for the purest human spirit. And the nations of the world gave us back sarcastically, very nicely for our contribution. They stole our land, exiled us, burnt down, destroyed our temples, slaughtered us with cruelty and accused us of all sorts of false claims. And now as we apparently approach the end of the war and we dream that the future after the war will bring new life that is much better than before, is it not incumbent upon us in this awful, wondrous, holy time? It is our great obligation to announce to all humankind 
that if they do not cleanse themselves from the murder and the theft that they caused Israel, they put the whole repair of the entire world in danger. When the nations will repair this great and awful crime, help us to fully arrange our lives and return to our land when they will help us to establish our jurisdiction and help us to renew our holy and everyday life in spirit and matter, lives of strength and peace. I mean, we're doing it anyways. Then the shame of the world will be removed from the human society. Our great hope is that our holy righteousness will be recognized among humankind those that are part of the covenant, the Israelites who don't understand what Israel is about, and those that are not. And, and this is about a third of the piece. You can, you can find it quite easily in the, I, I can think, but that's, uh, but this is the, the very strong statement. Et gzelatenu anachnu tovim v'shlemut. This is gzela. And Gzela has got, you know, the, I guess Gzela is the public. Gneva and Gzela, please remind me, which one is the one that's the, uh, that's, they, you do it publicly? Gzela is public. And so that's, yeah, perfect. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised that, that, that the, uh, I could have assumed it by the fact that he did, but maybe it was meaning something else. But yeah, the Gzela, we demand completely, this screaming to heaven wrongdoing, screaming for thousands of years from the, the scream started from the destruction of the temple. It has to be, well, here it says to be repaired, it could be, but to be, oh, the wrongdoing has to be fixed completely. So, so yeah, so Rav Cook was, he was, in, he was moving history. And then because of the, uh, it was, so basically that, so because that letter was read in every single synagogue in June, 1917, and then they, people started writing into the Balfour committee um, and the Rothschilds and all those guys, one of them is a Montague and, and various other ones. Um, they all went to their country estates. They stopped getting involved in the, in the thing, they left sort of for the summer. And then in, and the, then in October, the end of October, 1917, the British in, a, in, a, in the battle in Beersheba with the Australian horse brigades ran over the Turkish lines. And that's when they got control of this land. That was in the end of October, 1917. And then immediately after that, immediately after that, here we are. I think it's even better here. Yeah, immediately after that, November 2nd, Lord Rothschild gets a letter. Pleasure conveying to you on behalf of Majesty's government, the declaration of sympathy with the Jewish Zionist aspirations submitted, approved. And this is the official quote. And 
Now, the significance, there's, uh, we'll talk about the significance later, but His Majesty's government views with favor establishment Palestine national home for the Jewish people, and His Majesty's government will use their best endeavor to facilitate the achievement as long as it's understood that nothing should be done which prejudices civil and religious, not national, civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine. And the population of the non-Jewish communities in Palestine has increased greatly even since 1929 because so much of the, what has been, the West Bank and all that was empty in the 1800s. Many people came there as the Zionists were returning because, hey, there might be work in this area. And that's how many of the, the you know, the, so the, my, that, that was, that's the history of what took place here. Um, of the non-Jewish communities in Palestine and the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. And please be grateful, bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation, if you will. Um, it itself, this statement alone would not have had any, any impact in the world, except then the, uh, <coughs> the League of Nations put it into their article, whatever number into the plan of the Middle East, and that became accepted as international law, international world law. And it was the only time in history that something like this had ever become you know, valid in international law. And if those Jews that were saying, we well, can't return to Israel because against the permission of the nation, which was one of the, the main theological argument, it's finished then. Here's the permission of the nations. And there were books and essays written about that and they, it didn't change them. They were, they were so locked into where they were locked that it didn't have much impact. And that world stayed closed until it was too late. But Rav Cook was really, but it is the strongest statement of, of, to the world of, of Jewish human rights that was ever publicly. You have to read the, doc, the whole document. It's, there may even be, a, I'd be surprised there isn't a translation of it, but um, it's really, it's tremendous. Okay, so thank you for that. And now, <laughs> this is supposed to be the introductory part. And so, however, the, now I wanna go into today's learning. And um, where we are is on the fifth level of the, of the five yesodot, uh, found, foundations that the Nazir identified as these are the five foundations of Rav Cook's gestalt, Rav Cook's uh, entire worldview. And they are to review and each week we, we learned into that section, and this is volume two of Orota Kodesh. Um, the first one is uh, HaKodesh HaKlali, everything is holy. The second one is a Chayuta Olamit, everything is high, everything is alive. Even this wood and rocks, they're all part of life. The third principle is uh, 
האחדות הכוללת. It's all one. It's an all part of an all-encompassing one. And then the fourth principle, which is what we did last week, is hatov haklali, the klal, the universal good. It's a creation of a holy, it's a creation of love. And so it's a creation of completely good. Well, what about ra, bad? And, and he, he speaks about that as being the ultimate tool to grow the good. In dealing with the bad, we, we contribute to the perfection of the world. And then we join in with that and then we feel like we're worthy of reward. And uh, which is a whole line of thinking in Ashlag and so on. We decided to enter this because big deal, you've given it to us, let's earn it. I think we underestimated the difficulty. Um, but those are the four. And now the fifth principle is, it's under the name Hit Olam, the elevation of the world. The entire world is in a process of Aliyah, elevation. And in the uh, facing page of this section, which he usually picks a quote from the Zohar illustrating this principle, in this case, the Nazir, and of course, everybody knows who I mean, you know, by the Nazir, where's this picture? Right, a Rav David Cohen, Rav Cook's main student. And uh, along with Rav Cook, probably the most, most significant intellect, spiritual intellect of our, of our, of our time. Uh, his writings are worthy of, 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 of deep, deep learning. Uh, but he was Rav Cook's main student. And uh, so he identified and he arranged it this way. And in the fifth one, he decided to put in a quote with Rav Cook's permission, Rav Cook saw what he did from uh, Moshe Chaim Lutzato from his Gates of Wisdom, Gates 30 and 31. And they are that Ha'olamot nivra'u baderev sheyochlu la'alot the worlds were created in such a way that they're able to elevate from their level. This is the, for this reason that they descended at the time of the breakage was so that they could rise little by little until everything will return to its most whole level, introducing the, the, the Kabbalah of Shvirata Kelim, that the process of creation uh, a part of the stage is the breakage of the vessels and, and we're in the outcome of that. But let us understand from the beginning days of existence, from the beginning of history, the wheel is turning towards only one point, which is what? Hashlemut ha'acharon, shehu be'geulah ha'atidah. This is the complete final shlemut, wholeness that is the Geulaha Atida, the future redemption and liberation that, you know, he, he, was, I mean, he was writing this in the 1600s. Um, he understood that history is moving towards this. And now in the 1900s, and here we are in 2100, and, and things are speeding up. So this wheel is turning for this final completion for the Geulah Atida. So, that's, that's where we are in history. And then he 
the Nazir uh, uh, summarizes Rav Cook's perspective on this by choosing the headings of the sections that he that he then from Rav Cook's writings that he includes, where he says that to understand this concept is we have to understand that there is there is a constant process of elevation it found why this is going on because there is from the world of atzilut and ahishtashelut there is an exalted unfolding that the creator unfolded and um and ba'a, and this unfolding happens in order, uh, it's an extra level of wholeness to the absolute wholeness. We bring something into wholeness, we're adding to the absolute wholeness. Six days of the week, Shabbat. And therefore, our evolutionary rising and, and development is... This is how, with the providence that has established that this is the destiny of humankind in the world, and this will be Yigael Atid Lavo, that humankind will come to this Geula as history unfolds in the coming future. All right, so now we'll, we'll skip to the English mostly, and I'll try to read. It's, it's structured into three subcategories. Sdarim, the first one is Keshev hitaluta olam. Let's be able to be attentive. Akshiv, we can hear. And the Nazir's theology is we hear the voice of God. We don't see God. We hear God. And, and Colin his theology is about hearing. And so he practiced silence in order to develop his hearing, his listening. So I'm going to skip through the pieces here because I have a lot more material than we have time to cover, but I want to try to give you a, in at least 12 minutes uh, overview in, or, or through it. So with your permission, we're going to run. In the overall vision, we have to understand that every strength and power develops and rises. And this process is not meaningless. This is elevation. Elevation has value for its own sake and for the sake of its connection to the other parts of yeshim, that which is. And um, certainly we can't know the inner essence and the inner powers, but we need to understand that whilst things might seem completely mute to us, rocks and stones are very quiet, life is flowing in there eternally. Everything that is in every atom Okay, here he uses the word atom. Everything that is in every atom, in everything that's smaller than an atom and called need cold whatever the exon, right? They're always trying a new name to something smaller. Everything that is in every atom, everything that's smaller than the atom and any particle of any sort and all the more so in the silent realm formed into a rock and then more development and organisms, plants, everything living, developing, flowing, and rising. And this is just not circular, it's also rising. And this is a rising There's no end to its, to the elevation. And 
we have to understand every person who can really wants to hear with the, the Holy Spirit. Um, we have to understand that this process is going constantly, that everything is rising. And even the descents are risings internally. World War I happened, Israel was born. And it didn't need World War II. We saw the fatal error of the 20th century. Um, and so if we are, according to our level of purity and integrity and wisdom and, and, and so on, we can hear this call of the elevation, the call of the call of the call of the world's rising, rising in their beings, in their structure, in their improvement and perfection, and things are rising internally through destruction and shattering. Everything is rising, everything joining, purifying, everything is giving splendor to Pe'er Lechei HaOlamim. And Israel hears this praise. Israel is rising. We're, we're, we've been tuned into this. We're Hakshava, Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, right? It's the Keshev, it's the ability to hear this. And, and that's what Israel is all about, Shema Israel. Israel hears this, it rises with the rising and the Srafim and the Ofanim. We hang out with them and, and all of this is carrying the Gaon Hashem, the genius of God. And the spirit is alive in history and the soul can be seen in the Torah and the faith. And this nation that I created, they will speak my Amzu Yatsarti Li Tihilati Yisapru, as it says in Yeshiyahu. And then we have to understand that this perception, when we understand that we can see the world not finished, it's in a process of continued becoming, ascending, developing, then changes us from being under the sun to being above the sun, changes us from the place where there's nothing new to the place where there's nothing old, where everything takes on new form, joy of heaven and earth abide in us as on the day that they were created. And so we really come to this time of uninterrupted Shabbat and it takes a process of descent and ascent and here you the, the breakage of the vessels and everything. It descended in order to ascend. And there is these two processes here, I'm summarizing. There's two processes here. There's the Shlemut Elohit, the God complete fullness. Uh, and there is the process of Hishtalmut. I have to find the word here, but just take my word from it. There is the process of bringing things to fulfillment. So part of God's uh, greatness is that God uh, has given us the capacity to, to perfect, to participate in the perfection of the world. That's part of God's perfection that can allow us that significance as Tzalem Elohim. And, and let's understand that that's the process. And let's understand, he said, this is Seder Bet. The second principle of the three, uh, that we are in a process of rising evolution. Okay, he's writing this early 1900s. I'll be, I could tell you exactly what year or which of the vet, which of the notebooks, but I don't know for sure. But let's assume around 1910. Um, the Scopes trial, that's later, but everybody's freaking out about evolution, right? Ralph Cook wrote like this. Christianity was like, oh, no way. 
The theory of evolution that is presently gaining acceptance in the world has a greater affinity with the secret teachings of Kabbalah than all other philosophies. Evolution precedes a course of improvement. This is the basis of optimism. How can we despair when we realize everything is evolving, improving? We've, the meaning, inner meaning of evolution towards an impre, in, improved state, we find an explanation of divinity with absolute clarity. It is precisely the Ein Sof, the infinite in action that managed to bring to realization the infinite potentiality in the finite realm. And so that's what's happening here. Evolution sheds ways on all lights of God. They're, showing, they're discovering things about God. All existence ascends, as we can see in some of its parts. In the, you know, the guppies, I mean, the, the little bit of evidence that they have. Um, but he says its ascent is general and in particular. What history is ascending to is towards the heights of absolute good. The good and the comprehensive, they go together. Existence is destined to reach a point when the whole will assimilate the good in all its particulars. That's where the evolution is. Things, the good will fill everything. But where Darwin saw this in a little physical trait that makes this better for the animal, that principle is, 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 is embedded into creation. And this is the general ascent, no particularly, no particularity will remain outside, not a spark will be lost. All will share in this climactic feast, a call mitukan the suuda. We're going to be hanging out on Shabbos and having one big planetary suuda. And we're, but the animals won't be eating each other, right? It's not even, everybody will be eating what from the fruit, from the trees and the vegetables and the ground. And it'll be a delicious meal. Especially now that now they're starting to make veggie burgers that can't tell the difference. Um, but limatarazu tsrifim shichlu ruach. For this purpose, we really need to improve our spirit, a sensitive spirituality, to seek God on a higher plane, not the little God that, you know, the little God. This, this is. Avodat emunit b'Hashem. This is a real work of avodah emunah, and and then, and um, so uh, some more. Where are we? Okay, five more minutes. Um, and it, part of the process is the evolution is also the evolution, the elevation. It's an elevation of will and humor intellect. We're seeing growing. The content of the good in the world is developing, and this content is being revealed in the will and nature of the humans. There are, you know, idealism is there are organizations based on improving things for the entire world. The richest people in the world are giving 50% of their money to, to help the world and, and so on and so forth. All of that, we're seeing the, the good evolving. I mean, you know, that's why I'm telling you, Bill Gates is my my choice for Mashiach because it's just pure good and, and using real skills and, and with intelligence, not, you know, and uh, <clears throat> past human nature, wild in the future, human nature will be better now. 
In the past, the Torah was primarily directed to negating the natural power of the will. Don't do this, don't do work. It's all about the Sahara. you can't work. The future will develop a new form where it's freedom of will that will demand ethics. And, and the, you know, our, we'll be completely ethical out of our freedom of will and we won't need all this heavy duty Yetzirah is trying to get you all the time stuff will be, our Tselem Elohim will be fully functioning. Tselem Elohim is Midoraita. Yetzirah is, I can't even say it's Mita Rabbanan, it was the first time it came out, but it's Midrashit. The evolution of the human spirit prepares the intellect and its inner desire to aspire for the complete good, which is divine good. And that's the foundation and the, of every, but it's about aspiring for the complete divine good. And then we'll come finally to the third order, Seder Gimel, we'll come to this Megama Elyona, to our highest purpose. We'll, we'll come to manifest that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to translate that, which I didn't translate before here, but he's basically saying like this that we have to understand the core of the world has to do with our free will, that our free will needs to rise and needs to be, with all its freedom, a very powerful source, aziz umatmid. We have to be uh, powerful and constant, in our acting for the good, for in our, in our acting for good, that is, getting more established and growing. And this is what a being a human being is about. Zeud muta adam, where our soul, our neshama, can send its rays of good everywhere. And, um, and then our elevated human soul will fill all the worlds and uh, will then come to the future liberation of humankind and the world. And this one, the, uh, I'll just, it's, I didn't translate this one, I, but he says here from, oh, this is beautiful. We're going, to, we're going to elevate from our service, our slavery to the ground, to the land, which it's called a klala. And this is having to seed it and to grow it and to plant it and to feed it and water it and protect it. All of these things came mi'ikvotachet came as now you're with the sweat of your brow you'll eat. He quotes it. But we will come up. We will come to a level and the land will respond to us with a bracha elyona. And then he quotes gluskaot milat mi eretz Vessels and, and, and knives for to do the milah will grow from the ground. Technology will grow out of the ground. The avodat adam gamata asit, our, our physical actions won't, will have a much higher level. And therefore it is our obligation. I have to this line. It is our obligation to use our scientific, in a scientific form to raise the work of the land from this low level. We have to use science, uh, drip irrigation, et cetera, et cetera. And the liberation of the world will free us from being enslaved to the work of the land. And then we'll Gan Eden Yitayel Ha'adam. We will walk in, in Gan Eden 
and will be there to take good care of it, but it's not, it's not, it won't be a, it's not enslavement. And an Eden like this, no one has ever seen. This is much higher than any Avodah and any Shmirah. They will mamish be in a divine experience. And this is the liberation of will and the liberation of existence. And this newest power, and I think with this we're finishing, is that uh, that will be revealed and that will reveal the world with complete liberation is the great impact that human will has on all creation. We're the ones that can make it happen. Everything that he's been describing, this is what we need to be working for this. Our actions are directed to reveal the godliness in the human will. We develop we play the human elevation and sanctification. We strengthen the will and then we'll be able to rise beyond effort and talent and will mamish be able to, and this ideal has not left Israel. This is what Israel is about. It's the constant rising of, of the Aliyah, of the Shekhinah, to raise human will to the point that it's destined to from creation. And then the will of the entire creation, the, the manifestation of the divine unity, the complete, absolute divine unity will reveal itself upon us. And then everything is going to be revealed in a new light, new life, new song, new souls, understanding, new confidences, new, new, new to every level of our existence. And then we reach the higher perfection because a chaotic world stands before us until we've reached the state of a higher perfection, uniting all life forces and all their diverse tendencies. As long as each one exalts themselves, I will be sovereign, I, no one else, then God's name is not with us. God's I'm on the name is with the internet. The what? Okay, anyways, I'm finishing the, the light of truth. And he says, all life endeavor is about disclosing the light of the higher general harmony, not by rejecting any force, thought, movement, or tendency, but including to bringing every, all existence into the huge ocean of the infinite light. Everything is elevated, exalted, and hallowed, and the world is absolutely elevated. And thus he ends with this final, this is the last piece that the Nazir doesn't give a title to. Et akol, et kol haolam. We seek to raise everything, the whole world, all the creatures, all living beings. We're under obligation to raise, refine the root of everything. We aspire to uplift and to attach to ourselves to the source from where the light of life emanates, the foundation of life of all the worlds. And we aspire to enhance the elevate the divine illumination of all the worlds, uplift them and bring these divine ideas. We seek to liberate and to bring them forth freely. And then all the things that have been fragmented will all come together and will come to understand that um, 
בכל מתלבשת תשוקת עולמי עד, תאוות גבעת עולם שלנו, נצח ישראל. We have to understand that all is a robe for the eternal quest, for the eternal one of Israel, and this great spirit will go forth, and nothing can stop it, and all human beings um, will... Will, will elevate the flow of the worlds to their source. And then, and here he really ends, uh, blessings will flow from above and below, the seed of Shalom will bear fruit. And he ends with a Hoshea, uh, the land, the earth shall respond new grain, wine, and oil, and respond to Yisrael. Let's not worry about that reference, but this is what we're talking about, is the earth will respond to our bringing shalom into the world and, and will really bring about the Edenic experience in our time and place. So may we be blessed to experience that and achieve that in our lifetime. And therefore, I, I want to, you know, really bless all, all you, I, you know, I, the idealists in the world that will, will come to really experience the ideal. But Rav Cook is very, very, it's very helpful to know that this is the divine plan. This is what's going to happen. I mean, we may have to, it'll happen through difficulty or it can happen easily. But this is what is happening. And so it's very encouraging for those of us that say, you know, we're, we're here on the, on the side of, we're here working lehitiv to be tov. So brachot, may we succeed and may we bring healing to everyone who needs a healing, including Batsheva, Fredo, Batrachel, and Harel, Ben Rina, and Shimshon, Bergolda, Zahavi, Venomar, Amen, and thank you very, very much for your attention. And if any comments, it's, Sometimes it's hard to summarize the Rav Cook to try to finish, you know, with 10, 50, depends. But anyways, you, I, I hope you have some appreciation why I, why I, why I, I have such enthusiasm for Toronto Rav Cook. You know, I think, you know, I, I think I, I have good taste. <laughs> but um, anyways, you, anybody can unmute and anybody, please, I can unmute, I guess, but uh, feel free. Is, is this generally the idea to bring Mashiach about to... Well, it, to, it isn't in order to do that. It's in order to, in, to perfect life in our, in, our, in our setting and circumstance to the main extent we can. Mashiach will come necessarily through that thing, but that's, that is the messianic process. Okay, thank you. It's not like we're waiting for someone then, oh, all right, you take over. Like a question about uh, evolution. It's probably not a quick question, but if there's a short answer, he's, he's very, seems very, very positive, and uh, you know, it's all going towards the good. I thought I don't really know the biology so well, but I thought the idea was like survival of the fittest, like a lot of things are going to die off, like something's not fit. There seems like there's a lot of destruction that goes on in there, and he doesn't seem to relate to that. I'm wondering what is yeah, that's very, very, I would love it. He actually does. I saw the piece today when I was reviewing uh, sections, he actually talks about the the force of the weakness, which makes room for, for mm -hmm. the stronger as part of the design. So it's, um, 
It's not, it's, it's, we could look at, I'd love to learn that section with you if you want. Is it in the same part? Is it the same piece? It's, it's, yeah, I saw it today in, in what, part of what I was reviewing. So yeah, it's somewhere in there. Okay, great. Let's see. And just could remind me again where this appears. This is at Order Kodesh Bet. The, this, this, what we've done in the last five sections is Order Kodesh Bet is divided into these five principles. Okay. And we've we've been reviewing them and 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 learning examples. Wonderful. But thematically, so we learned the beginning, the middle, and the end. So to... I appreciate you trying to get a lot into a short period of time. I appreciate it. Let's see. You. 